Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcasts 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Rebecca Mashaw, with Gastroenterology Consultant. With us today is Dr. Brian Lacey, a gastroenterologist and professor of medicine at the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida, and co-editor-in-chief of the American Journal of Gastroenterology. In that position, he's led a team of gastroenterologists, hepatologists, nutritionists, and others from around the world in putting together an editorial review titled Major Trends in Gastroenterology and Hepatology Between 2010 and 2019. Thanks for joining us today to talk about this review, Dr. Lacey. Absolutely. Thank you. This article represents a first for the American Journal of Gastroenterology, I understand. Would you tell us about how the article came about and the process that you went through to assemble the information? Yeah, the idea came together at our editorial board retreat. And this is when the entire editorial board got together and kind of thought about where we've been in terms of the journal and where we want to go. We reviewed successes and some things that maybe didn't work out as well as they should have. And we also brainstormed a lot about new ideas and new columns and new review articles. And as we were all sitting around in this room, uh, really surrounded by really smart people, it came to our attention that as the decade was ending, because our retreat was in early December 2019, we thought it was just natural to take all this great talent in the room and really look at the decade in review and focus on these large topics whether esophageal disorders or liver disorders as an example, and really kind of try to summarize major advances in the field for our readership. What were these major trends that you identified over the past decade? Wow. Um, Hopefully we have about two hours for this uh, phone interview, right? Um, So lots of great trends. So let me try to highlight maybe five or six of them very quickly. I think There's been a lot of excitement about endoscopic ultrasound and the use of lumen-opposing stents, LAMS, and that's been very exciting in the field of draining the gallbladder and attacking problems with the bile duct. I think there's been a lot of excitement in the field of submucosal endoscopy, attacking what's called the, the third space. We talk about the GI lumen as the first space or primary space, We discuss um, and talk about the peritoneal cavity as the second space, but the third space is that submucosal space. And a great example would be the use of POEM or per-oral endoscopic myotomy for achalasia. And of course, there's a lot of excitement now about G-POEM or gastric per-oral endoscopic myotomy for achalasia. Um, It would be hard to not talk about advances in the field of esophageal manometry using the revised Chicago 3.0 classification, and that was so important during the last decade. And of course, we should really think, too, about eosinophilic esophagitis and all the great changes that have occurred in both recognizing and diagnosing the disorder, but also treating the disorder with topical steroids and with biologic agents. Um, We should mention celiac disease, um, and there's been a lot of interest in this field and clearly distinguishing celiac disease from a gluten sensitivity. And we now know that there's really interesting data um, that life exposure early in life may increase your risk and will tempt uh, our listeners on the phone today. There'll be some neat uh, 
research published later this year in the Red Journal, the American Journal of Gastroenterology, showing that a prior viral infection may increase your risk for celiac disease too. We recognize functional bowel disorders are present in 40% of the U.S. population, and we have now changing that term from functional gastrointestinal disorders to disorders of the brain-gut interaction, DGBI, and we've got lots of neat information about how behavioral therapy and hypnotherapy uh, can alter the progress and of that dis these disorders, whether IBS or dyspepsia. And lastly, we should just mention hepatitis C and how there have been just dramatic advances in that field. The review focused on eight key areas. You mentioned disorders of the gut-brain interaction. In addition to that, endoscopy, gastroesophageal disorders, colorectal disease, small intestinal disorders, hepatology, pancreatology, and IBD were all mentioned. Of all these subject areas, is there one that stands out as showing the most progress or the most significant advances that you saw? Yeah, I think I'd like to highlight two, but really focus on one, and that has to be hepatitis C. You know, this was really first identified in 1989, and less than 30 years later, we now have essentially cured hepatitis C. So if you come in now with a new diagnosis, we have cure rates of well in the 90s and actually 100%. So hepatitis C, something we dreaded and basically didn't understand very well 30 years ago, we're now curing. But a second note would be in the field of inflammatory bowel disorders. And for listeners who are a little bit older, thinking about 20 years ago when basically we focused on five ASA drugs or steroids, there are now a host of biologic agents that we can use to really individualize therapy for patients with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. And that's just been really a landmark progress in the field of inflammatory bowel disease. What surprised you and your colleagues the most, do you think, as you reviewed these advancements over the past decade? I think one thing that surprised me, and maybe it shouldn't have, was we, we are just awash in data. You know, as we were writing this article from all these experts in the field, going back through the literature, just looking at the amazing amount of progress that we've made, there's been so much research, both at the basic science level, really understanding why disorders of brain-gut interaction occur, or why inflammatory bowel develops in some patients but not others, but also in terms of clinical research too. And really this is across all the fields. And I think that was so, what was so neat about having all these associate editors of the journal really take a deep dive into their field and just explore the literature once again, although they're experts, I think we're all impressed with how much research is going on, not just in the United States, but worldwide, and that's really very exciting for, for us as clinician scientists, but also for our patients as well. Did you find anything during this review that was troubling, such as the increased incidence of certain diseases or disorders? I don't know if I would use the word troubling. I understand exactly what you're asking. I guess what I think, and I think what many of our associate editors found too, is as they really dug into their field, what's, what's troubling is how these disorders greatly affect our patients. And this impact is felt just not just on a personal level and how these disorders, whether chronic hepatitis, 
whether inflammatory bowel disease, whether irritable bowel syndrome, affect patients' quality of life, but also it affects um, the healthcare economic system. And I think as we move forward over the next decade, in terms of research, in terms of patient care, in terms of outcomes, you know, we really need to focus on quality of life. We need to focus on a reduction in healthcare costs. We can't keep spending huge amounts of money um, by, but not improving patient care. So I think that was kind of troubling, a little bit discouraging to me. That said, I'm, I'm an optimistic person. I hope the next day, decade we'll just see some great advances. That leads to my next question. If the American College of Gastroenterology does the same sort of review a decade from now, what advancements do you hope to see featured? Well, I certainly hope we do this again in a decade because I think there'll be a, a, another wealth of data to kind of uh, tack into and, and report. I would love to see the success of hepatitis C mirrored. As an example, I would love to see acute pancreatitis really being cured. And I bet there's somebody out there smart enough to figure out how we can stop that inflammatory cascade that begins with acute pancreatitis and stop that pathway. I would love to see a cure for NASH, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, which is now really one of the biggest healthcare crises we face as people become heavier and they have chronic liver disease. And I think we'll be able to report in a decade that we'll see really individualized treatment for both inflammatory bowel disease and for these disorders of brain-gut interaction, such as dyspepsia and IBS. So I'm very hopeful that in a decade, we're going to see this great article once again, highlighting all kinds of wonderful achievements. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Lacey. We really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. All right, so that's our that's our interview done. It's pretty quick and painless after all of the the difficulties we faced at the beginning. <laughs> so, um, a couple of questions that I would like to ask you, just for my own purposes, as I'm doing sure. research and and planning for the future of the Gastro Channel. Um, one thing that I've come across a little information on. Uh, and I would like to find out if there's someone out there really researching this. Um, and that has to do with the connection between oral health and gut health. Oh, yeah. You know, um, the answer is there's not a lot of research in that area. It's not mm -hmm. well funded. People are certainly kind of interested, but we don't have great data most of the research is actually being done by dentists. Ah, um, okay, that makes part sense. Of the, yeah, so, and to be honest, medical professionals just don't read dental journals. It's not what they do. So mm -hmm. the answer may be out there. I think it hasn't translated from the dental field to the general medical or certainly the GI field. But I think mm -hmm. part of the problem, too, is um, it's a little tricky to culture oral flora, and there just aren't big or not big studies 
looking at changes in oral health or oral flora um, with general GI disorders or general health issues, but, but certainly mm-hmm. an important topic. But I would probably check the dental me. field. Yeah. That's that's a really good suggestion. I should have thought of that actually, because um, there does. And my own dentist preaches this all the time. It's like this this can affect, you know, every system in your body. It has a lot to do with your overall health. Um, heart disease has been connected to some degree with um, with gum disease. Uh, so, um, but I just thought it would be interesting if there was somebody in the gastro field who was taking a look at this. Uh, that that might be a a new topic that we haven't given any attention to that might be worthwhile. So I sniff around a little bit more and see what I can find out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, Mayo is, uh, especially Mayo Rochester, but you're in, you're in Jacksonville. And I actually did not know that Mayo Clinic had this many um, outlying uh, centers now. But has long, but Mayo's long led the field in gastroenterology, and so I guess my question for you is: um, Would you be willing to continue to work with me occasionally, doing a Q and A, a podcast, a video on some of these topics? Because we'd really love to have a subject matter expert from the Mayo family who can speak to some of these issues because Mayo has such credibility. Oh, happy to help. I mean, my job is education. It's research. It's education. It's patient care. Oh, wonderful. If you think that I can help out in some way, always happy to help out, of course. That's a perfect fit. So I'll likely be calling on you again before long. And if there's a subject, is there a subject that you think that we should be covering uh, that gastroenterologists need to know more about um, or might be most interested in if you were if you were asked. Um, oh, gosh. You know, we do podcasts for the journal. I think, you know, there are sure. so many wonderful things. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's people, probably the You know, honestly, that's, that, mm-hmm. that makes me sound kind of silly. But, I mean, there's so many amazing topics that um, I think what I might suggest is thinking about, uh, you know, major new papers as you scan the literature and I can connect you with other mm-hmm. people here at Mayo. As an example, there's always lots of neat stuff in inflammatory bowel disease, but I'm not an expert in that anymore. That's not what I do. Mm-hmm. But we mm-hmm. certainly have somebody here where I can connect you with a great person at UPenn um, as an example or anybody. Um, so um, certainly I think the there's a lot of interest in in NASH as I mentioned. This is you did mention up. NASH and I meant to I meant to touch on that because we are spending a little more time looking at the hepatology side yeah. and uh, and uh, non alcoholic fatty liver disease, but then you mentioned NASH is a really growing concern. It is. This is becoming one of the most common reasons for cirrhosis and liver failure. And it's forty year old women who are heavy who drink <sighs> a little bit. It's craziness. It's, uh, it, it's you scary. Know, when I would make rounds in the hospital, it was old white male alcoholics, and now it's 40-year-old women in liver failure. Mm. It's craziness. So I could certainly connect you with a great liver expert if you want. Um, I would love that. NASH or NAFLD if that comes up. I think there's both, a lot Both of, are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, I think there's certainly a lot of great stuff out there about inflammatory bowel disease and people there are excited is, yes. about that. Um, certainly these, these disorders are brain-gut interaction like IBS and functional dyspepsia and gastroparesis. Yes. Um, that, so that's that's also a very, very hot topic. Um, yeah. So I, I yeah. think, um, you know, in the gut microbiome and all these things. So, you know, there I, I can connect you with all the right people, uh, many of whom might be on the editorial board, but also at Mayo or other great institutions. So um, that would be kind of figure out what works best for you and your group yeah. and let me know and we'll try to connect you. Well, I know that the uh, the the uh, Nash and NAFL, um area is a very is a great interest, and you mentioned celiac disease, and one of the things that I think that we've neglected a little bit, maybe because it's just not so we we've done a lot on IBD because it affects a lot of people, um, but uh, small intestine, uh, small bowel disorders. Um, Things like celiac, things like, uh, I don't know how prevalent SIBO is, and we've done a little bit on that, but I think we could use some some good contacts in that area. And then, of course, anything on the gut-brain interaction, because that's showing up all over. Uh, I'm seeing, um, I've seen a few things recently about um, studies about the impact of the gut on all kinds of other um diseases, not just gastro. Um, and so that's something that's really getting to be very, very um, interesting and, and, a, and a very hot topic among a lot of our specialties. So I really appreciate your, your willingness to, to help out with this and uh, having you be involved in education and research, that, that really makes you just an ideal person for me to pester. I'm not pestering all, happy to help out. That's, that's our job, right? That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And here's what happens now. I will do whatever little bit of editing is needed on the podcast. I will uh, put together a page as it will look on our website and send you a link so you can look at the page, listen to the audio file, and let me know if you're okay with the results. And then once that's ready, we'll let you know when we're going to publish and send you the link to the live page so that you can share that around as you wish. Great. I'm sure it'll be just fine. Okay, Edit as thank you. you. See fit. <laughs> I'm sorry? Edit as you see fit. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time. And again, sure. thanks for your patience with the uh, confusion last week. And I really look forward to speaking to you uh, in the near future. Thanks Great. a lot. All right. You're welcome. Have a nice afternoon. Bye. You too. Bye-bye.